Welcome to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast, the premier provider of leadership consulting, culture shaping, and senior level executive search services. Every day, we're privileged to talk with fascinating people who are shaping the future through their leadership and vision. Each episode, you'll hear a different perspective from thought leaders and innovators. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hi, I'm Akhil Varma, principal with Hydrogen Struggles New York office and member of the firm's global technology and services practice. In today's podcast, I'm speaking with Ravi Kumar, president at Infosys, one of the world's largest information technology and consulting organizations. Ravi joined Infosys in 2002 and has had a deep and enduring impact ever since in supporting Infosys's growth and its positioning as one of India's most respected technology companies. Ravi began his career as a nuclear scientist at India's prestigious Baba Atomic Research Center, or BARC as it's commonly known, which has shaped the rigor, intellect, and effectiveness that he has brought to his career. Ravi, welcome and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Akhil, thank you for the opportunity. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely. Ravi, you started your career as a nuclear scientist. Why the shift from science to IT? In hindsight, what I would say is my own interest to explore new things got me into different jobs, starting as a nuclear scientist to consulting. Then I went and did sales. Then I explored multiple geographies, worked in India, then I worked in uh, Asia Pacific, and then in the United States. So it really gave me a fantastic opportunity to work in uncomfortable zones and be comfortable about it and give an outside-in perspective to everything I, uh, I have kind of ventured into. I'm, I'm very lucky that I've got this kind of spread of uh, opportunities across functions, across geographies, and across uh, domains. How have you evolved as a business leader and outside of the COVID-19 uh, element, which we will come to very shortly, what has been the single biggest challenge you've faced in your journey so far? You know, very early on, I used to believe that you should be able to see what others are not seeing and um, bring that to your workplace and the industry you work in. But as I see at my vantage position I am in, seeing what others don't see is not a big deal. However, convincing others what they don't see but you see is a big deal. Once you can do that, you could bring the might of the company behind the force you want to be, and you could become a change driver for the firm. So the ability to get people to rally behind something they don't see, but they believe because you as a leader uh, believes in it, I think is probably uh, the most difficult challenge in a, in a large enterprise where you want to rally behind your teams and your teams have to rally behind you. We are several weeks into the black swan context of COVID-19. Ravi, share with us Infosys's early reactions to this massive challenge. I've uh, been on multiple conversations on this topic and uh, this topic continues to evolve. I would believe that uh, the order of the society, the order of the enterprise, the order of the industry is going to significantly change. We are still in phase one where um, everybody uh, everybody has gone to a shutdown mode 
or a 100% virtualized mode. We are going to get to a second phase, which is going to be back and forth till we get the vaccine on. I would call it a phase of transition because uh, this is a phase where you would be partially shut down and that will go on till the vaccine is on because irrespective of what we do on social distancing and irrespective of what we do on testing and contact tracing, you're only going to go that far. Then we would get to the third phase, which is going to be the phase where the vaccine is, is going to be there. And that's a phase I personally believe we will then get used to a new normal because it will be six to 12 months since then. And by then, you would have a hybrid workplace, a workplace which is anybody's guess how much of it is going to be virtual to how much of it is going to be physical. We would transition from a order of business where agility was the key to agility and resilience. Uh, resilience will play a very important role. And how much we shift to the virtual world will depend on how much you could trust your security systems to make sure that work actually transitions to a hybrid uh, model. You know, there is so much which will change as the order of the society changes, right? Work is going to change. Workplaces are going to change. Workforce is going to change. In fact, workforce would move from humans to humans plus uh, gig. If I have to be provocative enough, it will move from humans to humans plus gig plus machines because the embrace of AI and embrace of technology is going to be much, much more than ever before. There is so much which will change about uh, how we are structured in teams. If done well, it can boost productivity. Hybrid workplaces can boost productivity. I've already a hypothesis around it. If done badly, it could uh, breed inefficiency. Most times the technology adoption was, uh, was kind of pivoted around consumer value chains and supplier value chains. Now it is around the workplace. So there is so much in what we're doing, which is up for change and um, which, is, which is going to flare up a debate that I would say the ones which will come out successful, and that is what we want to be when we get to the fourth phase, to be resilient, adaptable, virtual, and productive. That's what is going to determine how well organizations do. And um, you know, my learning has been that you could be more intimate and more expansive when you get to a hybrid place, because we're going to get used to over-communication in the times we are in. So interesting times ahead. Uh, it will clearly differentiate the good with the bad. Uh, and I, I think some organizations will come out stronger and some would go weaker. I'm quite sure there will be industry clusters which will be built. One of the friends I spoke to recently, uh, a president in one of the universities, spoke about how education will change and uh, how you know academic institutions could be partnering with big tech companies to change the paradigm of education and i heard the same from big tech companies moving into healthcare so so much of the industrial order will change as well so i would say this is a great time to reflect on how you could stay relevant uh, as you get to the fourth stage of my hypothesis I call this the uh, punctuated equilibrium. You know, you're going to have a stasis and then there's going to be an equilibrium. And that disruption will continue till we get to this fourth phase where everybody is going to look for more. Going back to the black swan event, uh, Akhil, uh, clearly 
now we are preparing ourselves for a known unknown. And as we get to that fourth stage, we will prepare for an unknown unknown. Enterprises will look for more. They want to actually be prepared for an unknown unknown event then. And uh, that will be a black swan event, the next one which comes. And I think organizations will be much more prepared. As you think about some of these radical contexts and concepts in terms of how they are impacting the workforce or will impact the workforce, bringing it back to Infosys as you move forward, how do you believe you and your colleagues uh, and in the leadership group at Infosys would start addressing those specifically and driving that vision in your own ranks? How is your organization, you think, going to change? Uh, that's the conversation we're doing now. Once we get past this crisis, uh, get to work, once the vaccine comes in, maybe a year from now, how much of our work can be virtual? In fact, I, I was running a webcast uh, two weeks ago. One of the CIOs in the webcast said two thirds of my workforce will never come back to work. They will work from home. It's a roster we're gonna apply. So very provocative, two thirds. And I actually thought almost in the same lines, 75% of the people will, will be virtual. The second shift I would say is organizations like Infosys or consulting firms are 100% full-time equivalent. My hypothesis is 25% of our workforce will go gig. And that's a very big shift. The gig economy today is uh, pretty much focused around the ride-sharing economy uh, or the sharing economy, as they call it. With the experience we have now of a virtual world, our work packets have become very modular and very, very compact. Uh, people are working longer, but they're working in shorter spurts. And that's one of the reasons why productivity will go up, because scientific study says that when you go to work and uh, you work for eight hours in an office, you're only going to be productive for four hours. So as the packets get gets sleeker, as work gets more virtual, there is a natural fit for the gig economy because gig economy normally comes in a virtual world. So we do believe that we will start embracing marketplaces which can give us that virtual workforce which you can access when you want and curate the talent and then um, engage with them. So you're going to move from hiring, retaining cycles of HR to accessing, curating, and engaging talent. So we do believe that shift is going to be uh, tectonic in many ways. This experience of the crisis has also moved us to outcome-centric goals. As much as we all want to be outcome-centric goals, but organizations, large enterprises, were driven by effort-driven goals. Uh, We're all going to move to outcome-centric goals. And I think that's a shift we will, uh, we will all have to embrace because you are actually going to have a part of your organization no longer coming to work. So the faster you could move to outcome-centric goals, the faster you would, you would get there. I do sense that hierarchical structures in large enterprises, including companies like Infosys, 
will transition to network structures. Network structures will drive future efficiencies. You know, more and more I think about it, we used to hire based on IQ and PQ. IQ being intellectual quotient, PQ being passion quotient. I think we're going to hire based on EQ, IQ, and PQ. EQ being the empathy quotient. You know, never before in my own professional life, I've felt so empathetic to my workplace and the gratitude for what I have. So there are so many of these things which are going to change our approach to enterprises. You know, one other fascinating thing uh, I, I do believe will happen is we're going to move from degrees to skills. For decades, enterprises have actually hired based on degrees. And degrees was an easy way to hire because you are outsourcing the evaluation to somebody else who has done it for you, to hiring for skills. Our education will move from just-in-case education to just-in-time education. Just-in-time learning means you do lifelong learning in K-12 schools, and then you switch to learning on time to be deployed to your jobs. One final point, uh, Akhil, is uh, we are going to move from jobs for life to a profession for life to multiple professions in life. Uh, The world around us is so dynamically going to change that we are going to move to multiple professions in life. And as we go to multiple professions in life, how do you get the mental strength to deal with the change. All of what I just mentioned is all going to work provided you can build a culture uh, which which still makes you run in rhythms and get a sense of community even by working virtually. And that that is the key point we all have to address. Can we build the sense of community in a hybrid workplace? So lots of things to ponder upon, lots of things to reflect on, lots of hypothesis to validate. We've previously spoken about Infosys uh, already being focused on reskilling its workforce around broader digital capabilities. Talk to us about how you're going to change or perhaps do so a little differently than your prior roadmaps. Not just us. I think everybody around us is thinking about it. 40 million people in the U.S. are unemployed now in a workforce of 160-odd million 40 million is unemployed, and some of the industries are structurally uh, destroyed. The key for reskilling, when you have to move from one work stream to another work stream, when you have to move from one industry to another industry, is to create an apprentice model where you not just do online training, but you handhold the people for 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 a period of time where you curate this talent and then you get them ready for the jobs. Tomorrow, if you want to move a a professional from a hotel industry to the telecom industry, and you want to move them from the front desk of a a hotel to uh, end-use compute jobs in telecom or hand-and-feet support jobs of telecom, telecom is a recession-proof industry in these days, you will have to do hand-holding and apprentice. And for that, a consortium between the government, the apprentice equivalent reskilling companies, online platform companies, and enterprises have to come together. That consortium is important for us to make reskilling work, be it for Infosys or be it for any other company. 
I, I wanted to take this opportunity to really talk a little bit about artificial intelligence and machine learning. Across your peer group of companies, Infosys uh, has been a leader in delivering a whole range of AI and machine learning capabilities to its clients. Uh, in the context of what you have and are experiencing now, how does that evolve? We are now going to get into an era where humans and machines are going to coexist, where machines will do problem solving and humans will do problem finding. And that's why the human endeavor will move from solving to finding problems. And when we switch to that endeavor, we are going to solve the unknown unknowns in a more efficient way. Today, we have not been able to solve known unknowns and unknown unknowns because we are so deeply and and entrenched into our enterprises doing repetitive tasks. To an extent in, in factories, machines have, you know, mechanical machines have kind of replaced humans, but in enterprises, in, in offices, AI software has not replaced humans. And that switch will happen because this pandemic will also try to accelerate that. And there will be an exponential increase in the embrace of AI and machine learning. And as that happens, humans will start switching over to problem finding and you will find more diversity and inclusivity in the workplace. Today, everybody is wired in enterprises to solve problems. I think in the future, everybody will be wired to find those new problems which can be solved in conjunction with machines and software and software will amplify human potential. So that tipping point is now, you know, we've spoken about it for a long time, but it, it kind of didn't take off. There is a World Economic Forum report which talks about how 75 million jobs by 2025 will be gone. Uh, that was before the pandemic. You know, the pandemic itself has taken 40 million jobs out and just in the US. So if I add everything else in the world, it is probably more than 75 million. But it, it did say that 125 million new jobs will be created. That bridge between old and new jobs is what these consortiums of policymakers and academia and, um, and enterprises have to bridge. This is the point of inflection where you're going to see an exponential rise. Uh, it's also because we need less human touch inside uh, corporate functions, and we want humans to be in the endeavor of tracking new problems, finding new problems, and driving solutions around it. As you now reflect on your experiences over the last several weeks, how have your thoughts on leadership evolved, particularly in times of crisis like these? I would say leadership has been more purposeful, more intimate. I have probably known personally more people now than before. When they came to office, probably I knew less of them. When they're not in office, I think all of us are so empathetic to each other. There is almost, the virus has created a level playing field, if I may, right? More uh, empathetic, gratitude for things. In fact, people are giving their heart out in their jobs because they're, they're, they're so gratified about what they have. To a large extent, I would say this whole thing of resilience has come back in vogue. Uh, agility was the only reason why enterprises survived, right? go back to nature, smartest don't survive, the toughest don't survive, the most adaptable survive. And I think we are now getting into this nice balance between agility and resilience to build a future. 
Ravi, uh, I'd like to come back to you talking a little bit about diversity and inclusion. Uh, what advice do you have for other leaders as they think about how diversity and inclusion efforts add value to their business? The fact that we're going to transition to skills uh, makes it a level playing field for anybody who has the capabilities to come in rather than the fact that you've passed out of a school or you've come with a background of, uh, you've come with a experience from a, from a leading enterprise. So those boundaries are going to blur. And because those boundaries are going to blur, I would say the future is going to be much more inclusive and uh, much more um, diverse. In fact, we spoke about virtual workplaces. One of the conversations I had with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce the other day was about, does this mean the rural United States will get more access to jobs? I said, absolutely. If, it's, if work goes virtual, what that really means is it's not necessary that the concentration of jobs will be in the big cities. It can actually go to any part of the U.S. Uh, so that by itself will create diversity and inclusivity. And in some ways, it will bridge the divide which we have created otherwise in the, in the old world. Ravi, fascinating as always speaking with you. Thank you for making the time to speak with us today and sharing your thoughts. Thank you, Akhil. Thank you so much. As they say, and this is a quote from Charles Dickens in his uh, book, The Tale of Two Cities, uh, humans have in them to make the worst of times also the best of times. I, I really hope this crisis gets the best out of uh, human uh, humankind. Great words to close with, Ravi. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time. Thank you.